Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a really great guest today, actor, writer, producer, director, all all the things, Becca Beberaji. We talk about all the things that she does, and it's and it's a lot, and it's uh, in the best way possible. It's really cool. Uh First, though, I do want to mention a couple of things. And if you hear some bangs and noises in the background, the apartment above me is getting renovated. So that's not girlfriend of the show, Justina, in the background, like trying to get rid of a body or something like that. It's it is another apartment uh, just being renovated and uh, maybe they'll find a body, but it has nothing to do with us. So just don't worry about it. Uh, So. A couple of things that happened in the comedy community. Number one, I.O., the original I.O. in Chicago, closed. And, or is, is definitely closing. I mean, it was already closed temporarily, but they're not going to reopen because they don't have the money, apparently. And it's weird to know that this monumental place for improv that's been open for over 30 years is is done and uh, a lot of friends in that community who are deeply upset and i i am sorry for them also uh another thing is the crystalia stuff uh, stand-up crystalia has been accused of sexually harassing underage girls uh, teenagers who he dm'd and uh, tried to get pictures from and um it's all creepy stuff, what he's accused of. He's denied it, but there are screenshots, so it sounds like he was hitting on uh, these girls, and he may- maybe he didn't know they were 16. I don't know, but it's still kind of weird anyway to just reach out to strangers and ask them to make out or send them send you pics. I mean, that's still, that's still creepy. still seems wrong, and uh, because it is. I think what's also upsetting about this is the response. Um, there are people who are defending him, and none of them are women. It's just men. And there are people who are calling him out, and none of them are men. It's just women. That It doesn't bother me that women are the ones leading. That's great. I'm really disappointed in the men in this stand-up comedy community who are defending him or or trying to say oh you know i i believe in due process or uh, nobody knew this is an old this is a bad take and people need to how about just call out the behavior is it really that hard to just say hey this is creepy and wrong i don't get it i don't get it. i'm super disappointed hopefully people will change hopefully people will grow up and if you need an example of what to do and how to do it look to all these women in comedy who are saying what needs to be said speaking of strong women today's guest becca beberaji is fantastic she's done a ton of things and we talk about how we became acquainted with each other it involves former guests and it's a really great chat and i hope you enjoy it let's get right to it here's my chat with becca beberaji born and raised in new york but you're living in la right now right yeah um yeah i was born and raised in washington well i wasn't born in washington heights i was was born in brooklyn and raised in washington heights oh awesome we're in brooklyn um, a sheep's head bay, I think. I'm okay. not sure, but okay. I was told. So I just use like <laughs> I feel like when you say you're born in Brooklyn, you have more street cred because people are like Washington Heights, like it's not quite the Bronx. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Lin Manuel made it cool. So I'm exactly. Glad all that. <laughs> oh my God. 
Yeah, thank, thankful for him. <laughs> I love me some Lin Manuel. So anytime but I, I can also reference like him. didn't have that experience, which is so <laughs> so confusing. Like I had half that experience, but then not fully fully it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's interesting to see that that is um, being like shown in art in the media, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> We, of course, became acquainted with previous guests of Woe Is She because you were Mm -hmm. helping get that that interview lined up, which I was very thankful for. And um, then you mentioned that you had some works. I'm so glad that we can talk about it because you've done done a good bit. I mean, you're an actor, a playwright, a comedian, a a director because you directed – a short film that you wrote to ushers mm-hmm. walk into a play. Yeah. And when... I directed my web series B sides that I made in 2018. Amazing. Yeah. So where did this come from for you? Like, when did you start getting interested in doing films or just comedy and acting? Well, when I've always been a very artistic person. Um, I had a lot of medical issues growing up. Um, I was paralyzed as a kid because I had a brain stroke and Mm -hmm. my mother really helped me with the rehabilitation. Um, and like, cause when you have a neurological crisis like that, you, your brain becomes very cloudy. Mm -hmm. And since I was so young, like I was lucky that I could like rewire and then start walking again and moving again and, and appear able-bodied. Um, but she helped me with art. She, she bought me oil pastels, which were, are much smoother and easier to use. So I would use my thumb as like, a, a, a therapy to like start moving my hands again. Wow. And, um, you know, I always wrote, like, I found that art was the only way I could really express myself. Um, you know, because I, I didn't really, because I was so young, I didn't really know what was going on. And I, I just, all I knew is that I wanted to talk and nobody was listening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because doctors told me that I would be a, a vegetable for the rest of my life. And like, even then I was interested in acting and I was interested in writing. And it just felt like I I was silenced as soon as I like had an opinion of myself. Wow. Um yeah, so but so my whole life, like I played violin for ten years. Um, I did like studied at the New York Student League in New York of Art. Um, I said that completely wrong, so hopefully nobody there uh, <laughs> kills me. But um, it was a cool spot. Uh, <laughs> I studied under this artist uh, Ronnie Landfield, who is such a mentor of mine that I I, uh, I haven't talked to him in a while, but he really really saved my life back then. Mm-hmm. And um, and then I, I got into an outreach program at the Stella Adler Studio in New York. And then I got a scholarship there and uh, for the uh, evening conservatory. So that is that was my college experience, going mm-hmm. to the conservatory to study acting. And then after that experience, I realized that my presence in the acting world wasn't really accepted. Um, and it wasn't really accepted at the school either. Um, I was always the token urban kid. I was always like, I was the youngest person in the class. Uh, I was 18 and everybody was like in their late twenties, uh, thirties. And I always felt and was treated like nobody knew what to do with me because of the way I looked. And I even had a casting director tell me that I wouldn't work because of my face. Um, and I would, you know, the, back then, you know, acting teachers were, you know, not the way they are now. Like, there wasn't a lot of awareness of inclus- being inclusive. Um, and I'm glad they are now becoming more inclusive, uh, some teachers. Um, but, yeah, it, my experience, like, I, I think I was very grateful for it. I learned how to be an actor. I learned my craft. But I, uh, I'm also, like, I think there's a lot of abuse in acting conservatories. Um, so then from there, I, you know, I, I went on and I was auditioning and, and, you know, I was confronted with the same thing in the industry where people were like, we don't know what you look like. You know, you, you, you look very ethnic, but you know, I don't know what a place you as. Um, 
Um, Because I I don't look and act like what a caricature that a lot of the media thinks of when they think of uh, Latino people. So then I I, I realized, I'm like, you know, I always loved writing. Like, let me just start writing stuff. So I started writing a lot of poetry. And then I had always been interested in stand-up because, you know, I was kind of like the clown in my family, like the middle child. And I was just like jumping around for no freaking reason. (laughs) (laughs) And then I started doing stand-up, and I did really well on my first show. And then the second time I went to a mic, I bombed. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't do it again for two years. And Mm -hmm. then I did it again after I got cast in this play where I played a Middle Eastern girl. And I felt so horrible doing an accent that was so generic. Mm -hmm. Um, So then I was just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. So then I started doing stand-up, and then I, I started writing for myself. Um, and I wrote, uh, two solo shows, uh, over the, uh, three solo shows over the course of, uh, two years. And, um, it really like liberated my voice and gave me the courage and the validation that I did have an ability to act. And I, I did deserve to be on the stage and I did deserve to be on screen. Um, and yeah, I, I just found like, after all that training, after all that experience that I wouldn't be the person I am today, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, learned that I had to take matters into my own hands. Um, mm-hmm. because it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and you've come, yeah, it's, you've come <laughs> through a lot. Bad. I mean, that's, what's really standing out to me is how much adversity you faced and, and the ways, the different ways that you've been silenced, even starting with, being a child who was told you would be a vegetable your entire life. Yeah. And, um, and, and it's almost like I, I wouldn't have my life to be any other way, you know, like my past and my experiences really have made me who I am and made me strong and made me have a very specific lens and how I look at, I look at the world Mm -hmm. and some people like it and some people don't like it. And I wouldn't say it's, jaded because I I love everyone and I always like when people talk about me or tell me or talk to me they're always like you make me feel so good about myself you know uh you know I love to be around you you're so supportive and I'm really glad that I come across as that because I um I hold grudges no (laughs) 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 well I remember you I remember your name and I put you on my list (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack from what you've, you've shared and, you know, there, there was, a, it sounds like there was a lot of telling you who you were and who you weren't mm-hmm. and a lot of, in a couple of different ways, adults not listening to you. Cause you mentioned when you were young, adults weren't listening to you and it was art that got you heard or, or, or at least how you could speak and people follow it and uh, then also when you're going into the acting world being told well I don't even know what to place you as and that to that is in another way saying like I don't want to hear what you have to say Mm -hmm. exactly I want to hear what I want to hear yeah and I want to be comfortable with that yeah and that's not that's that to me like wanting to be comfortable in the realm of the art world is absurd mm-hmm. to me it's antithetical yeah, yeah. to art art isn't and it, so much of what art is is let's have some uncomfortable conversations or let's bring up some uncomfortable feelings to explore something real i mean there are obviously there's like the comfort vo- foods of entertainment mm-hmm. um but you know art is supposed to make you think and if how can you be made to think if you're just hearing what you're comfortable hearing i mean that doesn't stop and give you pause and make you think that's the stuff that makes you go yeah and then move on you're not thinking at all if you just agree with it if you're just comfortable with it so it's it's just so interesting uh for lack of a more pointed term (laughs) that (laughs) to hear that there are so many people in the in the industry saying 
having that attitude. I'm not surprised because we've heard it time and time again. Yeah, and and the thing is that a lot of people I know have experienced the same thing, either at a school that I've gone to or with teachers that I've had. And I used to feel like I couldn't say anything, and I, and I just don't care anymore, mm-hmm. you know, because I felt like uh, it's different now. It is. And yeah. I'm grateful it is for people. But when I was in school, like, there was just, like, a lack of sympathy and empathy for who you were as a person. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a thought. There wasn't a – I had a couple of teachers who really took care of me as far as, like, guiding me in scenes and stuff and we were very sensitive. But, like, when I went there, I was, you know, experiencing a really uh, uh, abusive household. And I was, you know, dealing with being 18 and, like, becoming an adult and, like, having a checking account and not even knowing how to write a check. And I ran away from home and mm. went to live with nuns in Chelsea. And it, it like, there was a lot of things going on. And mm. nobody really ever asked me if I was okay. Mm. And it's like, as an actor, it's like, you have to pull from your life. And all I knew was like sorrow. And I hadn't, I didn't know how to deal with it. I didn't know how to process it or use it. I was just stuck and scared. And then Mm -hmm. I would have these teachers just be like, why aren't you doing the work? And I'd be like, I don't know how, and you're not helping me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, But like, like I said, like that experience was, it, it was like, it was great. You know, it's like it gave me I'm very lucky to have that opportunity because I didn't have any any means to go to college, you know. Right. Um, Right. And you also mentioned that it helps inform your point of view, which I think, you know, I saw two ushers walk into a play and I think some of that perspective is showing in two ushers walking. That's what the point is. mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, when do you I, want to talk about how it has shown up in in that and also your other work, like B-Sides? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it was – so <laughs> I'm not a very political person. Um, mm-hmm. I think about it a lot, though. Like I think about how it affects me. I, I, I don't really talk about it, talk about politics because I don't want to – I want to be informed, and I'm not quite as informed as I, I want. You know, mm-hmm. um, cause I feel like, especially nowadays you have to be really careful with yourself and take care of yourself when it comes to all of the information you ingest. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I feel like I was the comedy producer at Pace Magazine for two years and that was a great experience. And then when I left, um, I, it was like after, uh, Trump got elected Mm-hmm. And it just made me start thinking about like it made me actually acknowledge like what I had experienced in school and what I experienced my whole life. Right. And of course, there was a lot of anger surrounded surrounding that as as you do. And mm-hmm. um, I just started thinking about like my voice and and the, I, I had dreams of doing things. I always had dreams of like making films and making TV. And I was like, why the fuck not? You know. Um, so I met up with a DP just casually and then we were talking and I decided that moment, I was like, can you, can you shoot this thing with me? Like how much, what's your rate? And then I I just like calculated my funds. And then that night I didn't even know what I was going to write. I didn't know what the story was. I just knew I wanted to shoot something and I was like, let's shoot something next month. Um, and then that night I went home and wrote it and Mm -hmm. I created an Indiegogo, uh, to raise money for it and i had no idea and i and i i named it b-sides because um it's it is a it is a character that's based on me you know it's not Mm totally totally me and um and i and i kind of wanted to talk about like the other side of the story that people don't really see about people of color um like the other kind of people of color and how we're very we have we have such a wide range of our community and Mm -hmm. we don't see that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I I just wanted to like the B sides of the record, you know what I mean? Like just like the other side of the conversation. Um, and also, you know, my name is Becca. So the character's name is B 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's very on the nose. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and um, I just wanted to be like my like my side of the story, you know, and I feel like a lot of my work that I've been writing over the past couple of years is just me telling you my side of the story. Finally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, um, that's really okay. inspiring. Honestly, I mean, I, it's I don't know if you felt very creative during the stay at home orders. It's I've had a weird experience myself with mm-hmm. it. Like early on, I just could not write uh, mm-hmm. outside of podcasts and newsletter. Like there it is stuff. But mm-hmm. like feeling like creating something just seemed really difficult uh, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm feeling the juices come back for that and the inspiration to just go ahead and make something like I, I want to I'd love to have a short film. I'd love to develop something a few things and maybe even a web series you know and so hearing you talk about it and you know like it's part like it partly feels like on a whim you decided to do b-sides but also it's like something that was always there so it's not really on a whim so much um but there's this spark that that lit and um it's really uh, getting me back into this mindset of like, yeah, I can do it. That's so good. Yeah. I'm so glad. Ah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. It's the city to do it, you know? I mean, <laughs> there's so many I mean, people, talented people here. Yeah. Throw a rock and you'll hit somebody. You know, you hit you'll, Exactly. And then the rock will bounce off and hit somebody else that you could <laughs> like have involved in something. It, it's, there are just so many people around that... Uh, it's, it's, it's exciting in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and, and that's the beauty of it. It's like for B-Sides, I found a team that I really, really trusted and that were, you know, all the actors were amazing. Like it was a series of five, uh, vignettes that were like three mm-hmm. minutes long. And I didn't know what the fuck I was saying. You know, I knew that I, 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 uh, I only really understood the story I was trying to tell, after one of my actors couldn't make uh, the uh, uh, our day, like second day of shooting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fuck, like, how do I change the story? Like, I need that character in there. And then, because I had a character who was a homeless man that was following B around mm-hmm. um, and just like always bothering her. And then I realized I'm like, he's he is her depression. Like, he's the embodiment of her depression. Mm. And during uh, 2018, um, not to get it too much detail, but like I was, I was dealing with a lot of mental illness issues and, you know, I, I, I only, I could really write about it because I, I just like didn't, I didn't understand it. I didn't understand that it was a, a, a an actual like brain disorder. Like it wasn't my fault. So when I was writing it, I was like, there's so much denial in specifically the Latin community. Like you're, especially if you come from like, if you're like first generation, like a lot of people don't talk about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I thought I I like in the moment, like my brain works in such a weird way where I like sit in like, how do I fix this? And then like these ideas come and I'm like, I fixed it. No. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, And I just thought I was like, the amount of denial this character has, it's manifested itself in this person who, mm-hmm. lo- who's looked upon as gross and lower than, you know? Mm-hmm. But in reality, if you love and accept your mental illness, you can, you can grow. And that's the story that I was starting to tell. Wow. So, yeah. Obviously, from an acting standpoint, you know, you knew what you were getting into at least for the most part and you knew what you had these ideas in your head but before you did b-sides had you directed anything had you written anything that expansive had you produced anything before like what prepared you for that so yeah um nothing but uh <laughs> <laughs> i i watched a lot of tv and a lot of web series that peers were making uh-huh. um and I, I was the comedy producer at, at a magazine, so I knew how to produce and I knew, you know, kind of like the back background aspect of like making something happen. I see. And but previously I I directed a do, do you know Stephen Adley Gerges, the playwright? I've I've heard the name. He's amazing. Read all of his stuff. He's like 
he's amazing. Okay. Um, I directed one of uh, his plays like a, a at a grant, like it wasn't him producing it, right, but okay. um, I directed it because my director pulled out at the last minute, which is like the story of my life, where <laughs> people get flaky and then I have to like fix the problem, um, which is just the arts in itself, uh, <laughs> and. I, uh, I had to direct it, so that was my first directing experience, and I was mm. also acting in it and producing it. And I think that experience made me aware that sometimes you just have to do it yourself um, mm. and then find people who are willing to do it with you because you can't force somebody to have your vision, you know? Right. Um, and then I guess the mo- more notable thing that happened next was I uh, got into a solo a festival solo show festival at the pit solo fest yeah and i wrote my first solo show like a draft of it called i laugh to keep from crying um about the time i lived with nuns and that that was the one that i was like oh shit i can write solo shows like i can write plays i can like i can write you know um so that's pretty much what started me on it so I, i i think um I'm the kind of person who just like does something when I'm not even prepared to because my whole (laughs) life, truly, truly, I go into things like half ready and then I'm like, I'll figure it out. Um, Because my whole life I had to figure things out. You know, I had to figure out how to survive. So like, that's just how I approach art. And it's very, it's very chaotic. I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) lie. My boyfriend's always like, you're like a tornado. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a real story of working through a lot of different things. It's, I think it's a really inspiring story of working through all these things that you've worked through. That's, a, that's nice. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> so you're very weird. welcome. I never know how to respond to that <laughs> when people <laughs> say that. Um, well, yeah, and I don't even know what the best way to word it is because, you know, I'm aware before saying it, how it could be a hard thing to hear because it's so much of your life, you know? Um, Yeah. And I think like people who've experienced trauma tend to hide in their work. mm -hmm. And the truth, like, cause I have, I have a really hard time being in groups of people Mm -hmm. and that stems from like mental illness stuff and, and just like, you know, I've always had to run, run, run. And being still and present is still a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've just always been like, okay, I need to work. I need to work on this project. I need to do this because I need to accomplish something to validate myself um, and others. Like I want, subconsciously, I just want approval from other people because I didn't get it from my right. family. You know what I mean? Right. Um yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've heard this thing called, um, I'm outing myself, but uh, this thing called <laughs> Adult Child of Alcoholics. I don't think so. So it's a 12-step program for mm-hmm. people who come from abusive or dysfunctional families, and it validates that those kind of environments are diseases, just like any addiction. Oh, wow. Well, and, yeah. and you become, like, addicted to harmful things you know you become a and one of the traits on the on on the laundry list um is i think that's what it's called is uh being a workaholic Mm -hmm. and doing that you it's just to ignore your life because when there's silence you don't know how to deal with it you know so i feel like um i i am in the program and um so i'm no longer anonymous but uh (laughs) i um I've learned a lot through that and how that's affected my life and my yeah. artistry. And yeah. sometimes I'm just like, I sit back and I'm like, maybe I shouldn't work for a while. And I should just like try to like exercise <laughs> instead, you know? <laughs> no, I totally know what you mean. Yeah. That's, um, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't even have anything <laughs> just, of value to add to that. I'm still like absorbing it. I think it's just like good to learn from that. Yeah. It's a perspective. I mean, that's, I mean, we're talking about art and we're talking about you presenting yourself and and communicating what you want to communicate. And it's all about perspective. And, you know, I don't have 
that same perspective and I hadn't heard it before, you know? It's cool. So thank yeah. you for sharing it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like it's taken me a really long time in years of therapy to just be like, hey, say what you want, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> people yeah. are going to dislike you. Like, I was talking about my school. I'm sure people are going to be like, if they hear this, they're going to be like, she's lying. But it's like, no, I'm not. Like, why would I lie about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so so I know you asked me about two ushers. Um, yeah, two ushers walk into a play. Um, I, I'm saying it slowly because I keep immediately wanting to say walk into a bar. Um, <laughs> they might after. No. <laughs> part two. <laughs> yeah, do you have a plan for part two to that? Um, no, that was last I, year. Uh, 2018, yeah, yeah, that yeah. short came out. I think I've ta- kind of taken a break of shooting right now, uh-huh. just because I really I can't uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> at the moment. And I had a pretty bad experience uh, with a film I did recently, where it just like I didn't have any control over my crew, and mm. I just like it just like was one of those projects that just like fell apart, and I learned a lot from it. So I'm just kind of taking a second to like gather my voice again i guess right um but two ushers i think is a standalone project i think it i think it, it's it said what it needed to say and i'm really happy with how it came out um yeah <laughs> that's awesome thanks yeah i mean the uh how, that you're happy the way it came out not the project that ended up not working <laughs> Well, um, I think it's awesome also. You know, it took yeah. me a while. I was, like, so devastated. You know, when you have a project that you're like, this is going to be amazing, and then uh-huh. it's not. And then you're like, who am I? No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Two Ushers was an incredible experience. We shot the, the film um, over in 12 hours overnight. Oh, wow. The, yeah, at the Tank Theater. And they mm-hmm. just gave me the space for the night, which was I, I I cannot thank them enough for that. Oh yeah, thanks, and, great. Oh, I love them. Like I've done uh, my solo sh- two of my solo shows there. They're like my theater home. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, um, but two ushers came about. I was working at a casting place where I was sharing an office with a uh, a white woman, and she just kept talking and talking all the time. Mm-hmm. And and just was like kind of telling me my perspective. Like I hate when people. I feel like people always start talking to me about politics for some reason. Uh-huh. And I I would never really start conversations about it, but it would just come up, and I'd be like, and I would say something that was my opinion, and it was just totally shot down because she knew more. Uh-huh. Um, and I knew she just was ignorant, you know, and and she mm-hmm. thought she was like very much an ally, but she wasn't, and. Um, if she ever hears this, like, I'm sorry, <laughs> bless you. <laughs> I just don't care. <laughs> you know, you get to a point where you just stop giving a damn. I don't, I don't care anymore. Um, and then I was just like, write it. I started writing the script and it came out within like two days and I did some edits, but I, it just was this place of feeling like, what if I killed somebody and took their place? You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, I was talking to my therapist earlier today. Um, love her. And she, <laughs> we were talking about what's going on in the world. You know what I mean right now? Mm-hmm. And, like, how we deal with it. And it's, I, I'm a, a Latino. So, like, I, it's not, it's not my experience. And how do I, how, as a woman of color, how do I be an ally? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, something I think a lot of the Latino community are just like constantly trying to figure out, you know, because there's a lot of internalized racism Mm -hmm. just because we've been taught, you know what I mean? Like we've been taught that it's not, but it's our responsibility to learn it. Mm -hmm. And during that time where I was writing the script, I was just like, how do I, how do I take my power back? You know, in this like stupid dark comedy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I just channeled like, those shitty jobs you take after you graduate and you take them at theaters in hopes that one day you can be in a play there and that will never happen. It's just like, just artists like at their end, ends wit or last wit. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, 
just like being like, how do I, how do I do this? You know? And this girl, Angela, um, she, she's an usher at this theater and her old, uh, classmate is the lead of this play. And her classmate is just like acting like she likes her, but she's just like so passive aggressive and it's giving her backhanded compliments. <laughs> uh huh. Um, and it's ridiculous. Like I'm not even, like, I've had people say things like that to me mm-hmm. and, um, and then Angela just goes, if she can play, like if white people can play brown people, like I can play a white person. And she tries to, she just kill, she kills the squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's goes, a dark comedy. So it's, it's apropos it's, for dark comedy. Oh, but it's so fun. Yes. Like, like it reminded me, like my inspiration for that was like Coen brothers. Yes. And Tarantino. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And it was like, it was so fun to just like scream and like put blood on my face and it, just like to be a character and, and like that. And what I said to you, who was I talking? I was talking to somebody. I forgot. Um, but basically it was like, I wanted to see Latin people in roles that were dirty and ugly Yeah, and diff- in a different way, you know, making a choice to do something, not just living in a reality that, you know, an audience is comfortable with them in if that makes sense you know no, that makes complete sense because i've i was thinking that too of like you know like as, as a black man i got pretty tired of uh if if black people were playing a bad character it was always the thug character it's like mm-hmm. well why like why can't a black guy play the joker mm-hmm. you know like exactly. someone we love to hate not just someone that we in real life uh treat like they're scum you know what i mean like it's just i want to see i want to see the range and the way people write villain. it exactly exactly yeah. and i think we got that with denzel washington and training day oh love it but yeah but um you know it's it's almost few and far between where you mm-hmm. when you do see that sort of thing that we're talking about where it's like not the caricature or stereotype and it like makes me want to cry when I see it happen. Not like when I see the caricature, but when I see a powerful role mm-hmm. and a character, like just a person of color, just like thriving and living and performing. Because we're we're amazing. <laughs> we yeah. have so many stories, and I'm, and I'm so excited to see all of them and hear all of them. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I just saw The Wire, so that's kind of on my mind. But, um, like, Idris Elba in that is such an Uh, interesting character because he's not stereotypical. uh And it was was very interesting to see see someone in a role like that, see a a black man in a role like that. It's, yeah, and it's it's one of those things where, um, I don't know who the writers were, uh, but it's another thing about, like, having black people and Latin people and Asian people and any people of color um, in the writing room to tell that story, you know, because mm-hmm. that's almost just as important or more important than just casting someone. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think about that a lot when it comes to representation mm-hmm. um, about who's telling the story rather than who I'm seeing on screen. Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but I still want to see us on screen. <laughs> oh yes, oh yeah, for sure. I'm with you. I'm with you too. <laughs> We're with each other. We're with each other. You um, also had an opportunity to direct something that you did not write. You yes. directed a, a, a short, a, a, I guess, a short film called Audition Antics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone who I'm familiar with through the Magnet Theater wrote, uh, Kisha oh, Pert. Yeah, yeah, she's great. And uh, so you got to direct that, and that's got to be cool that now, you know, it's it's great when people can direct their own work, but when you start getting asked by other people to direct their work, then that's got to be a good badge of honor to to get. I mean, that's an, that's an accomplishment, right? Yeah, it was, it was so freaking cool man i i love it i i I just i love directing you know i didn't go to school for it but i don't think i think that if you have the right team 
that support you and what mm-hmm. you're trying to do, it doesn't really matter. Um, some people might hate me for that, but <laughs> you know, I'm self-taught and I've always yeah. taught myself things. And, uh, that experience was so dope because I got there in the morning and everybody was like, where do you want me? Like, and it was the first time that I felt like, Oh wow. I'm people are coming to me for yeah. asking me questions and I'm not the one asking a question. And, it was cool. I mean, that that uh, short has gotten a lot of awards and gone to a lot of festivals. And that's like a huge like compliment, and especially yeah. like when they've I think they got a couple of um, they've won so many. So I can't uh, keep track of it, but like best ensemble and stuff. So I feel like I really helped that, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. I'm so glad she asked me to do it. Um, yeah. And it, it was just. And I learned a lot about how I view directing in general and how I want to talk to actors. And I want I want actors and everybody on crew to feel like their job, what they're doing is the most important job on set. You know, mm-hmm. have you have you ever directed anything? Not on that scale. OK. I mean, just the like maybe silly things I was shooting with friends in college and and recently you know but nothing like that where i have a real crew and a cast uh of people who memorize lines some people don't (laughs) right right or i was responsible for helping someone else's words uh get on the screen like no nothing like that would love to but i just haven't um and that's one of the things i'm interested about in talking to you is what this I mean, because it seemed like you jumped in head first into making things like uh, making web series and, and shorts because you're you were doing everything like, as we've been talking about. So when you started doing it and you you had to have like this professional setup, you know, because you're doing a real thing. Did you feel like you were in over your head or had you prepped yourself because of your past experience with paste? Uh, like, was that, was it, did it feel like the next stage or were you like, okay, there's a lot of learning I have to do on the job here? Um, so much learning. <laughs> uh, I know nothing. I feel always over and under my head. I'm underwater constantly. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to describe the frame I wanted. Mm. I didn't know how to describe the shot I wanted. Um, all I had was a vision and a, and a, and a, like I mimed it <laughs> to my TP. I was like, I kind of want this. I don't know. Yeah. And she's great. Her name's Amanda Reyes. Look her up. She is incredible. She's such a good friend. Um, so talented. Mm-hmm. And she got it. She got me. She understood. And I, I, I've worked with her on two projects. Mm-hmm. and she's just like we're in sync and because of her I've learned so much you know because of uh Brandon from Audition Antics I've learned so much you know mm-hmm. um and I think that's so important to do you know I, I don't think going into something when you're not prepared and you act like you are prepared that's just <laughs> idiotic right um and yeah I just I, I, I did, I did research, but I also, I kind of, I'm a Pisces, so I lead <laughs> with everything in an emotional way. Uh-huh. Um, I always feel feelings a lot <laughs> 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 and I just kind of like, I just, I just did it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I just tried it. I failed at some things. I wanted to cry a lot. Like uh, in Ushers, the last scene when, or the second to last scene where Angela is talking to Bobby on stage wearing the blonde wig, which Mm -hmm. is absolutely ridiculous. Um, (laughs) When we were shooting, I wanted that angle. I didn't know how to describe. I wanted that undershot. Uh And and I wanted it to be a close-up, not a medium. I didn't really understand what those things meant. So it was like, 4.30 4.30 in the morning, everybody's exhausted and mm. the coffee has run out and I'm trying to explain this and, and Amanda like didn't know what I was saying and I just like started crying and I couldn't, I was like, mm. I don't know what I'm doing um, and my boyfriend was on set because he's super, super supportive. He also wrote the music for the film, um, oh, wow. helped with sound, yeah. 
he's he's the best um and he taught himself that for me you know um <laughs> true love that's, that's uh, <laughs> really great that's really sweet yeah he's cool um and i remember <laughs> i went up to the booth because he was helping with the lights on the stage for that scene and he was like he's like you know you got the shot people are gonna start rioting in here if you ask them to do it again <laughs> and he was like you did what you could do that's it and i was like you know what you're right i i I did what I wanted to do. We got the undershot. We got, I got the close up and the, the tone I wanted. Let's just move on. Yeah. And the way I kind of run sets is just like, I do three takes and I'm like, Oh, we got it. Let's not, let's not, uh, beat it, beat a dead horse, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get in and out as quick as possible. Like I, I expect people to be on their shit and I expect myself to be on my shit and then just do it. Cause it's like, I don't want to waste anybody's time and right. I'm not paying them enough to pay rent you know right yeah yeah that's the that's the thing about filming is like it can take so long and Mm -hmm. yeah i i was an extra in a movie and i don't i didn't get the impression anyone was like lollygagging or anything like that but i do have the impression that on like a steven spielberg tom cruise movie set that everyone is just really focused on getting everything set up quickly so that they can <laughs> be there, like so they cannot get in the way of the artists <laughs> who are there. Um, yeah. It's got to be a different production. Um, and so I appreciate hearing anytime when someone's like, yeah, you know what? Like, <laughs> I don't want to like waste anyone's time, uh, but also let's be on it. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think, uh, professionalism Mm -hmm. even if you're new to something and you don't really know what's going on is so key because it sets you apart i'm not really talking about myself i'm just talking about the people i've worked with it just really sets you apart from the people who just either don't know what they're talking about or just like don't try you know because there's (laughs) a lot of artists that don't try and i and like bless them but like try a little bit if you want to accomplish something like don't just expect other people to do it for you right um and like uh uh the experience i said that i that was kind of like hard it was just like i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't i was acting in it and it was a different kind of part and then i realized that like my style isn't that um but it was just like i couldn't act well i couldn't direct well i was just overwhelmed by everything and and uh and it's because i didn't prepare enough for it and i I have to acknowledge that (laughs) yeah 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 and that's a good learning lesson Mm -hmm. yeah i think learning is key just continuing to learn and and not feel like you you've peaked at anything because there's always so much more and it's same thing that like I think is happening in, in society and the culture right now. It's just like, guys, we need to learn and yeah. listen. Shut up. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Speaking of learning, we're now at the end of the episode where we create something together. And I think the way I want to approach it is to talk about if I were going to put together a short film, a short or a web series, mm-hmm. what from your experience what were the first steps that you took? I know you mentioned that you met with the DP. Um, mm-hmm. What sort of things does someone have to make sure that they have in place before they can really tackle a project like that? Well, <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm an expert in anything, but <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. But for okay. B-sides, I hadn't even wrote written the script. <laughs> when uh-huh. I set up an Indiegogo and asked the DP, um, but I would I would say first step write something. Okay. Okay. <laughs> write something that you're interested in. Um, write for yourself. Uh, write for your voice because I feel like a lot of the time we, we're trying to write for I don't know a white audience in a way. Right. I um, see, yeah. But write for yourself. Write for your voice, um, and then do rewrites of your draft mm-hmm. uh, of your script and, and really make it tight and really make what you're 
what you want to say deliberate, you know, the less, the, the, the fewer, the lines, the better, Mm -hmm. um, in my opinion, and then find somebody who, you know, you can, you don't necessarily need to produce it. Like you can produce it yourself and it it can be done very DIY. Mm -hmm. Um, but find it, find a director of photography that you can trust and gets it. And if you've never done this before is, is understanding and doesn't make you feel like you're an idiot. (laughs) 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 And yeah. And and then find a crew and then find people that you trust and have your back. And cause it's all about community. It's all about sharing this, this, these 12 hours or six hours or 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, to make something magical. Like it sounds cheesy, but it's like, that's why we do this. Cause we want to make magic in some sort of way, you know? Right. Um, which is selfish a lot of the time, <laughs> <laughs> but it's still like, we're sharing this moment that like when we're all in tune with each other and we're like getting it done, it just, it just, it's the best feeling in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I feel like one of the really, really important uh, aspects as well as finding a good editor that mm. um, gets what you're trying to do because a lot of the, the editing is where the story comes up, right? The, uh, you know, and if the editor doesn't get it, then your story is gonna look like not the way you want it. Yeah. So I think having uh, examples of films or web series or series that you want to the tone to be like, mm-hmm. like for Ushers, I used uh, Black Swan. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. And for B-sides, I used um, Atlanta Okay, um, as the tone that I wanted because mm-hmm. it's very matte and yeah. it's um, it's like like Donald Glover. So such a talented actor. And so like, yeah, I love him. So I just oh, I can't. Um, I wish he did more interviews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's an interesting guy. I mean, we're. I'm rewatching Community, and mm. it's a different vibe uh, <laughs> of Donald Glover. I mean, like that's Derek Comedy Donald Glover, but mm-hmm. you know, Atlanta Donald Glover, This Is America Donald Glover, very yeah. different. Yeah, and and what I mean by using Atlanta it was the color scheme, right? Um, the humor. Which I mean, my humor is different. Like I, I obviously, right, right. and um, because it in his acting and in his stories, it's like they're so dense and dramatic and and real and really hard. Mm-hmm. But then there's always this line where you're like, oh my god, he is hysterical. He just yeah. like it just humanizes. It, it just makes it so. Um, what's the word? Uh, like it's like a widespread understanding of like that um, that emotion that this character's in right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was what I was using. So I think it's really important to, to find something you like and just like kind of stick to that, um, and 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 no, and stick to what you want. You know, if somebody doesn't do what you want, like let them know that you, you just create the vision that you have. Um, and make sure that you have people around you that support that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And make it. Let's make a thing. What do you want to make? Well, Ed, what, what? So I'm not sure right now that I have a. <laughs> I just really, an, really changed your life. No. <laughs> no, well, I'm thinking like, given the sort of stuff that you've made, I don't know that I have a topic that would you know like go in that direction like it sounds like that's i would need something more serious and i need time to think about that uh, there is an a silly there is a silly idea that i've had for a web series um that's just like by no means serious and there is no like story behind it i just thought it'd be funny if oh. the, if i did a web series about um a guy and an improviser like an improviser and uh someone he improvises with all the time where um he's like taking his relationship 
with her so much more. He's like, it's almost like he's calling her his his theater wife. And like, so they have this kind of relationship, like theater wife, theater husband, mm. and they they take it too far and act like it's too real of a thing. Meanwhile, wow. he has a real girlfriend that he like is always sort of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like he's always sort of wave hand waving that relationship. Um, <laughs> but his, it, I don't know, it's a, it's a silly idea, and I can't well, remember I think, all of I the ideas the I had you're... with that. Oh, well, I want to hear another one after, um, but I think the way you're laughing about it and you're so excited about it, you have to make it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have it written in my notes that I'm, uh, I can't <laughs> find right now, but I had nice. all these like stupid ideas and, and jokes to make, uh, just sort of like, it's like all inside baseball with improv, just like jokes about how the improv culture is, um, I would love to make it, but it 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 does feel like a lot to take on. Uh, um, but you can make it. Like, there's so many apps on like iPhones and stuff. Like, there's Filmic Pro. I think uh, Tangerine. Do you remember that movie? Uh, I didn't see it. Good. It was filmed on a GoPro and an iPhone. And yeah, I think can, I heard of it because so of that. Cool. Yeah, you can do so much. Yeah, especially yeah, and now, think, like the iPhone camera is the, the iPhone 11 camera is solid. Mm-hmm. I I don't know what I have. I think I have an eight, but she tries. <laughs> <laughs> I've dropped her so many times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if we were gonna create something together, I mean, I guess it could come from that. Uh, and and maybe this is a well you feel like you've gone to enough, but just like, uh, you know, being in New York, pursuing acting in comedy. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe that's a well everyone's gone to a lot because uh, <laughs> there's crashing or was that what was that that Pete Holmes show that was on HBO? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I really like that idea. And I don't know if you how you feel about this, but I have a pitch for you if you want to hear okay. it. Okay, yeah, I, I want to hear it. Um, so along the lines of that premise where people are um, pursuing comedy and acting in the arts in New York City, what do you think about focusing on their daily life and their underlying arts careers just like kind of simmering and like that's added in at precise times? If that makes sense, like it's, it's usually like it, it's normal. If they go to an improv show, they do a show, but their life is like outside of, you know, kind of like the way Atlanta is where they mm -hmm. don't really show the music side, but this guy is like becoming successful. They're showing the human, like um, the, when you get off stage side. And that's what I'm interested in. I don't know how you feel about that. That would be really good because I think what would jump out to me, if, what I would want to explore is, how people can easily feel like they are failures because they didn't get somewhere by a certain age mm -hmm. uh, and kind of sort of breaking down what people consider success mm -hmm. um, because there are just so many avenues to be successful. You don't have to be rich and famous to be successful. I want money though, but I, I, yeah, I want to take care of myself. I want to know my family's good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My grandkids are going to be good, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's that, but you know, I mean, that's the thing that I always sort of run up against. Like when it comes to actors, like if someone says they want to be an actor, they want, they say they want to be a singer, then some adult in their life will say, you'll never make it. You'll, and what they oh, mean is, really Hard. Yeah, like they'll say, like you'll never be Will Smith, or you'll never be the like the most famous singer they can think of. You'll never be Taylor Swift. But here's the thing: if somebody said they're going to start a restaurant, no one would be like, "Oh, you'll never be Gordon Ramsay." Like that's mm -hmm. no one would ever do that. If someone said they wanted to be a doctor, no one would be like, "Well, you'll never be Doctor." Fauci or somebody like that. You know, like they don't. <laughs> they never name some famous person in that case or the most successful person in that case, you know, someone, you know, you know what you get what I'm saying. Like they, they never expect the absolute most. 
in other professions. You know what I think about that, Jason? Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I think when people do that, it stems from jealousy mm. that you're, because some people are very much like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like, I know it's hard, but like, go for it. And the other people that do bring it down, being like, it's so hard. Like, it's really competitive, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think it stems from the fact that they want to do that. Yeah. And they're jealous that you are actually taking, you are actually courageous enough and brave enough to be like, hey, I might be poor forever, but mm. I'm doing what I want and what I love. Um, right. Yeah. And I, yeah, think, I think that's, that makes that's where it comes sense. from. Yeah. Because nobody's no. jealous of a doctor. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Are you? I'm no. with you. No, no. I'm just thinking. I was like absorbing that. Because it's, it's true. Like, you know, I think people are saying, oh, you know, there was a thing I wanted to go for and I didn't go for it. So they're just like bitter about that. And they're taking it out on this person. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think like there are people who like I, I worked at a, a theater in New York and I was an usher, which <laughs> little on the nose. But I, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, obviously, all these ushers are like in the arts and they're they are um, the actors are pursuing it. And there was this one woman who told me she's like, well, it didn't happen, so you know, I'm doing this now. And it's like it doesn't have to do with it not happening, like. If you want to be an artist, if you want to be an actor, like that's what you do with your life, right. you know, like that's your career. Like if you expect a career to happen without you really working on it, then it's like you didn't really want to do that. Right. You know, because I don't know how you feel about this, but like a lot of actors go into acting to like just be in, be the star, you know, like they want to mm-hmm. be famous mm-hmm. and it, it's like that's great. Like you can definitely have aspirations and want like validation and like accolades and stuff. But like, I, I get a little peeved no. <laughs> when I talk to people who are just like, I just really want to get into commercial work now. And it's like, do you even know what that means? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of dedication. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. What would we call this show that uh, explores these things? Crashing part two. No. uh. (laughs) (laughs) If it was stand-up and it was about, like, stand-ups who uh, are, like, the middle act, we could call it middling through or something like that. But if it's just, you know, if it could be anybody, actors, comedians, writers, um, I don't, let's see. Check spot. What would you say? Check spot. I think it's called check spot. Where it's like the the last, uh, it's like New York Comedy Club, I think. Um, like comedians sign up and for like actual paid shows, they're giving the check spot, which is like the last, last spot. But they're oh. able to perform in front of these, the audience, even though the audience is like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that is an interesting name. That's a better name than uh, what I could come up with. No, I don't think so. Give me another one. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, um, <laughs> Let's call it Let's See. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't want to be too on the nose and be like making it or something like that. Um, well, what have you said? You know, because you do improv and comedy, right? Yeah. Okay. What have you said after a show that sucked? Uh, oof, it feels so long ago now that I've even done any show uh, on stage. Um, I blew it. Um, no, don't oh, say that. <laughs> oh, here's one. What if it was like, well, they were good. <laughs> you know, that's something I often say after an improv show. Uh, where it's like, well, the show was good, but because of everybody else, not because of me. Yeah. Have you ever, <clears throat> after a show, had somebody say, did you have fun? Which is like a backward <laughs> comment of like, you suck, but I have nothing else to say. 
Right, right. I haven't, I don't think, um, I've heard that concept, but I haven't, I don't think anyone to my memory has said it directly to me. Uh, good job is something that people will say, I guess, like, <laughs> or good stuff. That's something that's funny, like after a stand-up show where I just did like, okay, and I was standing next to somebody who crashed, then someone might walk up and see them first and say like, oh my gosh, you're so funny, you did so great. And then they'll see me and it's like, good stuff. And then they keep walking. Yeah. I finally have like a five, uh, like not a tight five, but like an, uh, a, a little bit of a loose five uh, <laughs> that is working, you know, it's getting a lot better and I've gotten more compliments from people, which is nice because that always makes you feel good. Yeah. But, um, when you bomb on a set that you think is working, holy shit, it is yeah. the worst. What yeah. about I bombed or bombing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bombing. I or... was a nuclear <laughs> disaster. <laughs> oh. Well, there it is. It's been so great to have you on. Thank you for being here, Becca. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was fun super fun chat i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did and if you want to check out her work there's so much of it out there there's two ushers walk into a play which is on vimeo and b-sides which is on youtube that's her web series that she talked about she also edits a humor blog called lady saurus comedy and she has a couple of different instagrams we have the links in bio but it's gonna be real easy to find her if you go to BeccaTheTinyHuman.com. And also, like and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the Comedy Lifestyle newsletter that we have put together here. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ThereItIsPod. You can also follow me on Instagram at JasonFarPicks and on Twitter at JasonFarJokes. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 